Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made four low-budget feature films of varying success, and I've been to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length films on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Welcome back to another episode of Discount Film School. DFS, as the kids are calling it. Um, I'm sitting down with Ricky Downs III. Uh, This is somebody who actually, this is the one and only example of somebody who came and physically found me because of the Lord of the Rings by George Lucas cartoon. I was sitting there at work one day, making my salary, earning earning my keep, and... um, but I don't. Uh, unlike some people who have stuff that's gone viral or have stuff on, up on YouTube, uh, I make no secret about like my cell phone number or my address or anything. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm super trackable. And uh, uh, he, he he came into my office one day. I thought it was somebody looking to get on the Wi-Fi or something simple like that. But, uh, but he's like, I'm looking for Frankie Frain, and I was like, Oh God, they found me! I don't know how, but they found me. Run, Marty! <laughs> Marty, get out of here! Frankie, <laughs> Frankie McFly. <laughs> but it was a, uh, it was a, it was a film student from Emerson who had seen the yeah. cartoon and who was like, Oh, you're the guy. And we we shot the shit about uh, about George Lucas, about Star Wars, about things that matter to us. And uh, and then you know we've we've passed one another uh, uh, at his time at Emerson, my time working there, and uh, uh, he started listening to Discount Film School. He said, "What do I got to do to get on that show?" And I said, "Pretty much anybody can come on as long as you're working on something, as long as you you're making a movie and can talk about it." And he said, "Yeah, I got a web series in the works right now." So last night I watched the first two episodes of Conservative Art School, mm-hmm. and. Um, I also watched a cute cartoon, uh, not a cartoon, a cute uh, short film that he sent me that was a, a take on um, on Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas called uh, Tommy the Commie. <laughs> still for the July, uh, Tommy the Commie still for the July, yeah. Right. And um, and so so here we are. So welcome, Ricky. So yeah, what's hey. th- this Ricky Downs the Third stuff? Do you always go by that or is, it, is that kind of like a... Um. Well, I don't know. Like It kind of just, it doesn't, I think... The name has always had a very nice ring to it. Like, yeah. I've, I just wherever I was, people always said, oh, Ricky Downs. Like, like, it just rolls with the tongue. Ricky Downs. Like, it's the two-syllable, one-syllable. And the third, like, kind of adds a bit of – it's already kind of catchy, the name itself, Ricky Downs. And then the third kind of adds a bit of a royalty to it. Mm-hmm. And knowing me, well, I'll take anything to be royal. Sure, sure. Um, but I just want to clarify on that story. Um, I did not like, you know, search my entire life. I need to find the creator of this video. Um, oh, we had, man. It was, a, it was actually, I owe it to Peter Flynn, who's a film teacher at Emerson College. He is a bit of an Irishman. Yeah. And we were watching in his History of Media Arts 2 class, uh, The People versus George Lucas. To anybody who doesn't know, that's a, docu- a really interesting documentary about all the fans and their... Uh, <laughs> The bearing of the grievances against Lucas for the special editions and the prequels. And Frankie was actually featured in that. And I was like, hey, that's the guy. I, I watched this cartoon when I was really young. And then Peter mentioned that, ah, he works here at Emerson. I was like, I need to find him. He's like, I love that. <laughs> I used to show it to all my friends. It was great. Oh, my uh, God. That's awesome. That's, awesome. that's yeah. like the only thing I can uh, – that's my, my only claim to fame, really. I mean, everything else is kind of like modestly watched. But that – because I was able to – Hang on the coattails of Lucas and uh, Lord yeah. of the Rings. I was able to get well viewed. Yeah, those guys, the the, the people versus George Lucas guys, are awesome. Uh, actually, one of the episodes of Discount Film School, I interviewed the director. No, get out. Uh, Alex, That's great, Alexander Philippe. Yeah, who's 
they the their most recent project was this thing called Dock of the Dead, which was a an exploration of like zombie culture and why it, why zombies are are so popular right now. And I made a cartoon. Mm-hmm. I made a cartoon for for that documentary, but oh wow! Apparently, I parodied uh, Quentin Tarantino so closely that they th- they it, it was aired by Epics, and Epics said. Uh, you need to get clearance from Tarantino himself. In oh, really? For us to put this in, and they sent it to him, and he never got back. So they oh, said wow. this can't go in. But it's oh, on, it's online now. I can't say that it's associated with Doc of the Dead, but it's associated with Doc of the Dead. Yeah. What um the Tarantino uh, parody? What exactly was was it one of his films? Just like his style? Like that's really Tarantino. Okay. The the, con- the concept was that um it was me imitating many different Hollywood directors. And how the sort of zombie movie they would make. Uh, oh, okay. But they liked the Tarantino. I just did a Tarantino bit. And okay. they, they liked that the best, and they were going to put that in the movie because they yeah. thought that I did a good... The, the impression was basically like, you know, I don't know how I'd make a zombie movie, all right? But <laughs> okay. if I were to make a movie, it'd be like the fucking best movie, all right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he reminds me, I think the best Tarantino I ever see was in The Simpsons. You know, I'm trying to say something about violence with here. And itchy just, uh, I think it was Scratchy Chops off his head. And the, that one episode they did. Yes. I remember that one. Yeah. So let's th- let's talk about you. Let's put you on, on the spotlight here for a moment. Okay. Or, or for an hour. Um, oh, all right. The... Uh, you are a film student, yes? A film and animation. It's a, It's actually not film. I'm writing. I'm, I'm a writer for uh, film and television. So screen. Essentially, I'm screenwriting and kind of a double major with animation as well. Oh, okay. So that's those are my two. Uh, it's screenwriting, animation. So they still do like the um, the concentrations where you can actually yeah get a major in a concentration. yeah. I mean, I'm technically writing film and TV, but the way um, because you can't double major, which is kind of. Uh, we could talk about Greg for Emerson all day, but um, not really because I like that school. But sure, sure. I love that school. Too. Um, yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, but so the way I, I was able to like kind of – I got a lot of credits in high school. So I'm actually use my electives to take all the animation courses that they offer. Um, so I'm technically not a double major with animation, but I am because I've taken all – I've just taken all the animation classes. And I, I, my schedule is continuing to allow me to do that. So you're you're 22 about if I had I'm 21. 21? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I just turned 21. So what I I, I want you then to uh, cuz I I graduated from undergrad at Emerson 7 years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm out of touch with today's film students. Okay. So as as the conversation progresses, I want you to uh, to help us understand what film school is like today and the mm-hmm. sort of experience film stu- like for instance, I I couldn't tell you like if somebody asked me like uh, who are film students watching right now? Who are the big directors that they really take after? I could have told you what they were in two thousand four. Yeah. Could, I probably couldn't. If I had to guess, I'd probably say like Fincher and Nolan. I'd say so too. Um, I mean, I'm kind of more involved with like the comedy scene in Emerson. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm I'm on the Emerson channel and Breaking News been there since the very that's a show that's actually a show with its um a parody. It's kind of, not a parody. It's in the vein of Daily Show and Weekly Update and I always play different characters because of my you know my, my crazy voices and my costumes. So I'm kind of and as well I'm also in a comedy troupe police geese which were like DYI we like we made our, uh, the founder kind of didn't get into the other troops so like scoop all us up on the street and we just kind of became our own thing. You're like the slam and, dance of comedy troops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going places now because we just had our first like special on Emerson channel. Um, we've, we have like a pretty large fan base. So like 
we're kind of losing the punk aesthetic because we are becoming more commercial, but uh, people are liking it, so that's good. Is it, um, is it mostly live stuff? Or I, I used to have friends who were heavily involved in. Again, this was ten years ago, but in ECW specifically. Oh, ECW, yeah, they're good. They're good people. Um, yeah, we. Um, it's a lot of live sketch. I'd say like. The thing about this is that we're pretty short. Like we, we, we are like our, I guess like we have kind of like our. We're very much like South Park in a lot of ways because we're very short, pretty blunt, a lot of really great social satire, and both our greatest strength and our weakness can be our vulgarity because mm-hmm. we gotta. Sometimes um, it seems like there might be a bit too much, so we gotta like bring it down a bit, and it's always finding that balance between like the satire and the kind of just like you know scatological mm-hmm. uh, you know vulgarity. Personally, I'm not really the, I'm not vulgar at all, so it is kind of funny that I'm in that troupe, which mm-hmm. is I want to make sketches about ducks and Disney, but uh, they're always so they kind of like they take my ideas of this kind of like cutesy uh, Disneyfied world and like twist them and distort them. Uh, um, well, maybe that, I, maybe that's why you're perfect, is because like yeah, yeah, that's true. A, a good example is that I wrote a sketch in which um, do you see Frozen? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I the idea was that I'm dating Elsa the Snow Queen, but it's a figment of my imagination and it's kind of like a mental breakdown of this this persona I was playing on stage and eventually turns out like actually she is real and um, one of the the the, the, uh, the climax of the joke is that the, the straight man saying he's not real he's not she's not real she's not there and like he takes a gun out I'm sorry like an imaginary gun with his finger it's got to come to this and he freezes and Elsa kills him mm-hmm. like it, it, like no <laughs> like controls she controls his body the blood the blood in blood in his body he freezes it to ice and makes her, makes him uh, blow his brains out so that's like kind of the distort like it's Disney but distorted so that you would say you would say that maybe you could describe the comedy as as like the wholesome colliding with the very real and the very horrifying yeah, obscene right and we and we do also do like just kind of like kind of also absurdism too because one of my favorite sketches is like it's not a single word is said we just have a sign that says the F I don't curse F blind people and we give the <laughs> finger and it's just like that's all it is look how and, cute you are man being like I don't yeah. curse the F yeah. the F stuff yeah those those, <laughs> those naughty words so so let's let's go back in time let's do let's do the whole like um, I yeah. started here and now I'm here thing so um uh, always an artistic kid or, or, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I, my biggest thing was that I absolutely, as a kid, it wasn't art. It was zoology, especially ducks and birds. I was a duck fanatic. You kind of look know- like one. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope I keep it going. You look uh, like Ronald McDonald uh, mated with a duck. <laughs> I get Ron Weasley a lot because I got the scarf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always thought it was more like ostrich-like. but uh, yeah, uh, True, the, true, yeah. Yeah, because of the, 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 the schnoz and the uh, the height. But um, <laughs> it was always birds and ducks were my, my big thing. Like I, lo- I, don't, I don't ask me why, but like I was always fascinated by ducks and birds. Um, and uh, so love zoology a lot. Wanted to be a zookeeper for the longest time. But in middle school, I realized I'm funny. And people think I'm really funny and like I'm entertaining. I kind of like a persona that I put on. Don't even realize I'm doing this persona, like a wacky kind of happy uh, cartoon character. How did I'm you like, How did you realize this? Like you just were noticing people hey, hey, like, laughing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like in middle school, um, my I I got to be the center of attention because I have a god complex. Uh, my teacher like had a green carpet to like read stories. Like it was it was it was I came in and like. 
with my middle school, we at first, it was the sixth grade. Like, it was the first year we ever did sixth grade from going elementary to middle school. Before then, elementary school's uh, kindergarten to sixth grade. In my year, elementary school became kindergarten to fifth grade. So sixth grade just got put in the middle school. Yeah. So it was kind of like a hybrid of elementary and middle school real in reality because we had a green carpet doing red stories and I had the opportunity to and my teacher allowed me to tell make up stories and like just be funny and like so it was pretty much a, it was a given an opportunity to stand up like on Fridays like that was the thing and told tell stories that I wrote about ducks and whatnot and that was the thing was that the combination so I realized I'm funny and I'm entertaining and I'm a good storyteller so well, why not just combine the two loves? Because the majority of my stories and works are always about ducks. Right. And in middle school, my magnus opus was a animation I did in paint and uh, Windows Movie Maker. And I just sped the images up really quickly called Duck Wars, a 20-minute long uh, parody of Star Wars with ducks. With great characters like R2 Duck2 and <laughs> Rams. <Hanging> fruit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Princess Luna and, uh, and Ram Solo. And you're in sixth grade for this? This actually uh, going, uh, this, I, I had to, I built up my skills a bit artistically. It was actually um, eighth grade. Okay. Seventh, gra- seventh grade, I made a comic of the entire trilogy Duck Wars, The Empire Quacks Back. And the revisit of the red eye, which isn't that funny of a title, unfortunately. And I adapted Duck Wars and The Empire Quacks Back, and I am still working on revisit of the red eye. It's coming out. Really, you're gonna and, do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I feel I actually have the ability. To, I think like once Emerson is done, I can like finally get that out of the way. Like I've, I've mastered my skills of Flash, and I can even incorporate some of Maya into it now because the the 3D program. Um, so so okay so so that's your first animation project is that correct? yeah and, Duck Force, yeah and you were inspired to do that why because because I mean taking on an animation project like that means that you actually have to go out and obtain some skills uh, that you may not have maybe uh, I mean were, were you a naturally talented artist or you I'll know, be honest I was more of a do- a glorified doodler if that makes sense oh yeah yeah. yeah. Um, I can't draw for shit. And my, as we discussed, my most famous thing is an animation. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I don't know what it was. I always wanted to get, I love cartoons. I wanted to be, I also wanted to be famous. Um, and I wanted to entertain people and I had a cartoony persona and the stories that I wanted to tell, which are always about ducks for some reason, I had no other medium, but either puppets or animation. And the puppets I made, and I, I made puppets a lot too. I make, I make a lot of puppets, but the puppets that I made were not of the quality yet that I could do a feature with. Mm-hmm. Like I always, I, I, Emerson, like just to, uh, want to sidetrack a little bit. Um, I, I wanted, I've been working on a script for a long time of a puppet, like kind of film noir. And like, it, it stars a duck, of course, a duck, a duck detective, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, these other characters, like I, I want to do like kind of a puppet and a man thing, but the, the, the human character is the straight man. So kind of like a reversal of the Muppets. And going back, but like, so it had to be animation because my puppets were not up to snuff at the time. Now I think maybe because I've, I've done a lot, I've, I've, I've done a lot of puppets now. I think I may have the ability to maybe finally do a puppet movie. Do they have, I mean, any, I, do they have any kind of like puppeteering classes at Emerson? I remember I took a, a makeup one. 
Um, I think that's just a theater thing, and unfortunately, I'm not a theater kid, so I don't think I'm allowed to take them. Or, if or, I could, or, I would. Or, or, I at least, would or at least you don't have like priority to take it. Because I remember I took the th- yeah. I took like theater special effects makeup, and I you know the theater kids had first priority, but I yeah. did, I did get into the class. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, just going back about uh, just to go a little bit, I know that I'm usually like my people, the comedy people, and also like just like my uh, and the animation people too, like. Those are my people, the animation and comedy, because their screenwriting, like it's that is the that's where they flock to. Um, I would say the biggest influences Emerson. I just want to answer your question because we didn't. Wes Anderson is huge. I took a screenwriting class. They're always talking about Wes Anderson. Uh, Nolan, yes, but I think since Dark Knight Rises came out, he's kind of lost a bit of his fan base, and especially after Man of Steel, because. Yeesh. Although how, uh, how, how responsible could he have been for Man of Steel? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Anderson is a big one, um, and a lot of independent people I have no idea about. And so I know at the end, you're telling me it, you're telling me that Wes Anderson is still a big deal with film students. Yeah, especially yeah with the maybe it's maybe I'm not thinking of the right person, but the person who just did that Grand Budapest yeah, Hotel. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's, just, it's just funny because he he's been he's been big with film students since before I was at Emerson. So it, it's going on like probably 15 years of this guy being huge with young filmmakers. Yeah, I'm different though. Like my big guy is Jim Henson. I'm a, I'm a weirdo. No, you're um, not. You're not. I got a black and white uh, portrait of him downstairs in my theater room. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I love Henson. Henson, yeah. It's, for me, it's, it'd probably be, if I, if I could like just talk a bit about my influences, it'd probably be Henson, Mel Brooks especially. Um, I just watched Robin Hood Men in Tights last night. Perfect. I have to admit, look, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something controversial. When I was a kid, that movie was like the be all end all. I knew it intimately. Yeah. I knew every word. I, I don't know if I'm just getting old or if I feel like the like my my humor has changed or something like that. <laughs> but uh, I oh, no. I struggled with some of the jokes. I was like, oh really? Oh. I, I mean, it, it it felt to me like, and maybe this is its charm, but it felt <laughs> like it was trying like. Every joke was the first joke that would come to your mind, and you'd write it down, and that's what's going in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think Brooks, especially with, I'll say now, my favorite uh, favorite Mel Brooks, Far and Away, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs. Yeah, Far and Away, best ones. Like I, I know people love Young Frankenstein. I, I, it's great, but my top two are Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs. Right. With Spaceballs, though, like I saw Brooks was talking about, like the thing of Spaceballs is that he knew that the people who were going to watch this is that are kids. Like, little kids who love Star Wars are going to watch it. So he knew that he had to kind of retract from, like, the Jewish, um, the Jewish sexual, like, overtones of, like, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein and really go for, like, kind of just juvenile fun, just fun stuff. And I think some of it, that's why Spaceball works so much is that it is because it is just so much fun and it's just... A kid, it's it, it's a kids movie, really. It feels like and, it feels like something I would, and I'm this is I'm not trying to to insult it, but mm-hmm. it feels like something I would have written as a comedy piece when I was like 13. Yeah, and I think a lot of, and I think that's a lot of its charm is because it is so, like, because you are you don't have to, because you don't have to worry about things like um, adult jokes. You just get these really funny gag, like just gags that kids will get, like. Ludicrous speed. That's hilarious. And everybody, it's so universal. Everybody can get it if you right. saw the hyperdrive or, um, you know, it's just funny puns and it's, it's, it's jokes that I like. It's, uh, uh, slapstick. It's, um, puns. It's, and that's, I think why I like Spaceball so much is that it is just so universal. And I also think, and I think what it is, is that the actors take it so seriously, I believe. That's what sells it. That it's this very kind of kiddie, 
world, but Rick Moranis thinks he is the the, the evil, the, the big ruler of the galaxy, and that's even makes it even funnier. Yeah. Because if they were like you know kind of winking to the camera and uh, you know smiling long. It wouldn't have worked, but the fact that they took it as seriously as they did really aids a lot in the humor, I think. Well, I do find that that it, it, even even in kind of a um, a comedy setting like that, you you invite a lot of talented actors. I mean, some of the I think I think some of the worst comedy, and I think everybody can agree on this, that some of the worst comedy that exists is that epic movie date movie. Absolutely, meet yeah. the Spartans shit because it's yeah. not actually comedy. I, the best way to describe it, I think, is. Um, it's like a Martian impersonation of comedy. Like, yeah. Like, like, like they, they were able to take like a lot of Google searches of things that were comedy and they yeah. put it together. And like, it's like a Google translation of comedy. That, that's a great way of saying it because I was going to say Brooks, Henson, Zucker, the Zucker Brothers, Airplane and Naked Gun. Love those movies. Basketball. Basketball. Uh, I love it. All right. <laughs> um, the thing with the, the, those movies, though, is that I think what it was is that with stuff like that because I'm a big sat- satirist. I love satire. I love as you know, as you could tell. Um, the thing was is that those guys they 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 took the wrong elements of what worked in Naked Gun and Airplane. They took like bad. They took what made those films work were that the world they established was very slapstick, very cartoony. But what again? What sold it was Leslie Nielsen's delivery. He believed so much that this that the nonsense that he was saying was totally normal and totally um, just everyday and completely serious. Like, Incredible. if you read, if you listen, to, if you read the Naked Gun monologues, they're 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 utter absurdism. Not not absurdism. They're just like nonsense. Mm. But it's Leslie Nielsen's delivery that makes it work. Right. And with those movies, they're always. It's too much like, oh, we're, we're making fun of this movie now. Yeah, or, they, or, or not making fun of it at all. I mean, I remember one of the jokes was literally, like, uh, they were in Narnia, and mm-hmm. then it cut to Borat, and he was like, I'm a, I'm a Borat, nice. And it, that, yeah, was, just, that was the joke. They, yeah, they it's sh- just Borat reference. exists. Yeah, it's just the reference. The only one of those the, the movie movies I think is actually really good is Scary Movie 3, which was done by David Zucker. Mm-hmm. And, four, and, that, and 4, I think, but I never saw it. Yeah, I didn't see 4, but yeah. do, have you seen Scary Movie 3? Yeah. It's not a great movie by any means, but I think it's actually I think it's a good I think it's actually a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of the other ones are good. Yeah. I think the the closest thing in I remember in maybe it was Date Movie. Mm-hmm. I, I I thinking about it now it's just, it's almost it's so fucked that it's almost awesome. But it, it was um <laughs> At the very beginning, like they, much like the Borat joke, they cut to Napoleon Dynamite. And yeah. instead of him having a T-shirt that says, vote for Pedro, it, yeah. you see it, it does a satirical twist on the theme, and it says, yeah. and it says don't vote for Pedro. Oh, <laughs> that's, really? And then the Pirates of the Caribbean breakdance. <laughs> see, that's just like, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a collage of, these things exist. Yeah, and that's the joke. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it, it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of disgusting and in in that way I mean um, Mel Brooks is, I, I, anything Mel Brooks shits out is genius compared to that yeah. stuff but it's um, they are kind of uh, uh, genre cousins in a way and I think that's why yeah. a lot of people kind of they're the inbred cousins yeah exactly yeah very much yeah. so 
Like, the, um, and so we were talking about, I just want to get back on the, the timeline, I guess. Yeah, sure. So in high school, um, I actually, I did a lot of, I did some short films for my filmmaking class. Oh, my high school, I went to a public school, love every, every teacher there was awesome. The people were great. School itself, not so hot. I mean, we were on to Windows Movie Maker for all three, uh, my first three years there. What state was and this? Where were you? New York, Long Island. Okay, yep. Um, and, uh, can I go to high school? And, um... The the funny thing is that my senior year we finally got iMovie and we thought we were like we're, this is the real deal. Was it? Well, let me ask you this: Was it iMovie six or was it one of these later iMovies? I think it was iMovie. It was iMovie. I don't really know. Well, there was there was kind of a big um, there was a big software change where there was a time when they had iMovie six, which I want to say came out with like. Maybe uh, Tiger, like OS 10 Tiger. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? It was Line. Whatever iMovie was on Line. Oh, well, then it was it was one of the newer ones because iMovie Six used to literally just be capture video, cut video, export. iMovie Six was like a really simple tool for mm. first-time filmmakers to just get in there and do yeah. rudimentary cutting. But then they changed the they they basically uh, the the later iMovies were kind of a setup for Final Cut Ten, which now a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like. But the yeah. but yeah, it was it it, it became it was like. Like graphical, like a like a the timeline became like a yeah it was I remember that yeah and with that one um, with with high school I was able to do um, Safari Sam which is a two minute long me and friend of a green screen dressed as Safari a Safari guy hello we're gonna go on a Safari mm-hmm. and throughout the I go to I go into this cartoon world and was it's Borat it? no <laughs> no Borat. <laughs> It's a very nice, and it's a fairy. Um, and the joke is—it's it's, it's just a simple joke that I'm—I'm I'm in this cartoon a- Africa behind me, and I just kept getting it. And I'm like, tell, I'm very excited about this safari, and I keep doing things. I'm, try, I'm trying to tell like it's a—it's the parody of like kind of a kid Steve Irwin thing, and I keep telling the kids, you can't do this on a safari, and you don't want to dress up like a prey and. On safari. So then I put on a zebra like outfit, have a, a zebra stuffed animal in my hat, and then I just get attacked by a lion. We do a we do like a a cut where I come back up. I'm covered in like uh, scratches. I'm bleeding. Like one of my hands is missing. Wasn't that great on a safari? And throughout the entire video, I just have this. And you don't ever want to put honey on your body on a safari. Then cartoon bees sting me, and I come back up, and I'm covered with dots and all bloodied. And then you don't want to blow an elephant whistle on safari. And then I blow the whistle. A cartoon elephant stampede me over. My, uh, my whole bo- like I'm just a, I'm I think I'm just ahead at this point. And then a bald eagle like I said, wasn't that a great safari? Kids. And then an eagle like picks me up, and a cartoon eagle picks me up, and I scream. But it's a happy scream. And the idea, and the joke was that was that <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole story was it's a happy scream. <laughs> I noticed I noticed that the the theme of a lot of the characters that you play are mm-hmm. it, it's it's this this man who doesn't belong in in reality. He's this uh, he's stepped out of Toonville. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, because. Yeah. The, the top four characters I do is, as you saw, Ricky from Conservative Art School, mm-hmm. Tommy the Kami, Safari Sam because I've kept him going, and and Date Rick. Date Rick is a, this horrifying ladies' man who has this goblet of wine. Hello, 
ladies. Mm-hmm. And I always, every Valentine's Day, I always send date Rick out to like all, all the girls in my life. You want a date for Valentine's? Time to get down with Ricky Downs. <laughs> and he's this scary, creepy, he has like this purple robe and white gloves and like shirts kind of open. Terrifying creature. Everybody loves him though. Um, or they're scared of him. I can't tell. Um, yeah, right. But uh yeah, they're always very absurd, very big personalities, and that's actually a great analogy that they're at, they're, they're people right out of Toontown. Yeah, they, they don't they don't. Um, everybody has to tolerate the fact that a cartoon is living in the real world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, never, yeah. was was uh, how was this? So the Safari guy was in high school. How was yeah. that received? Like, um, are you highlighting that because that was kind of a big? Was that a big piece for you? That was my first kind of like film I was proud of, and people really, really liked Safari Sam so much so that like I still showed in Emerson. People were like he's funny, and like he's made a few appearances in Poliski shows. He, um, he's I've been trying to get him on Breaking News, but that rascally head writer won't let me. Um, <laughs> he won't let Tommy the Comedy Emperor. Like that was we had two I've, since on Breaking News. There have been two head writers, both of them. I, uh, honestly, two, the, both of them are two of the greatest writers I've ever ever worked with, and. Uh, like his dying, the, the when the first one left, his dying wish was never have Tommy the Commie on the show. <laughs> like, don't let Tommy the Commie on the show. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> did um did you? What was your role in uh, other than performance and I guess editing? I guess you told us that you edited it um, in making Safari Sam. My brother held the camera, so I did. I got all the costumes, and that was about it. And then after Safari Sam was, um, but wait a minute, but you weren't. But you weren't looking to be the director necessarily no i mean i did direct i mean it was just me and my brother with a camera that's all it was and yeah i wrote it i directed it um but i not i'm actually the one kid emerson i don't really want to be a director like i'm kind of i would i, I still I, I think like i'm a very big picture guy like i would love to be a showrunner if that yeah, makes any yeah. sense yeah no, totally. like i really want to work in animation animated television so i really want to be a showrunner like that's my so i know i have to direct obviously and i have to have some skill but I don't really want to be a director. Well, as you I'd know, rather... as you know, in television, the showrunner is kind of the creative head. Whereas, yeah. whereas on a film, the director is kind of the creative head mm-hmm. of all yeah. the parts. I, so it's, yeah, it sounds I, like you're you're more interested in episodic work. Yeah, yeah. I definitely am more interested in television because I feel like uh, it's funny because last night I just finished The Office, rewatching The Office for the first time, which is my favorite show of all time. Cried a lot, and I realized like how much that show has influenced me to want to get into television and it's I know it's the show is kind of based on a really awkward situation but it's the warmth and it's the characters that really that's that's what I want to bring I want to like I want to have The Office is probably the best balance of it's really funny stuff but it's also really it's stuff you care about absolutely yeah. and I think also Henson with the Muppets does that incredibly mm-hmm. like, the Muppets is just like I mean I, Muppets maybe have like one or two, maybe in like a movie the Muppets have one or two sentimental moments but somehow you care so much about them yeah it is it's never just jokes like you really, really your heart is on the line with these characters I would say another great example is Book of Mormon recently if you've seen it um, I, I heard the soundtrack yeah you, you know just the there, there's it's almost all this large comedy but there's about two or three very curt very quick emotional beats that yeah. resonates so loudly over all the comedy that uh, that it really it empowers everything that came before it and everything that comes after it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the great thing about comedy is that we are in an age in which we are able to be really funny, really out there, but we can be balancing that with 
sincerity. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. think I think comedy really is. I think I remember watching like this. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw, it, but like they had Ricky Gervais, Seinfeld, Chris Rock, and Louis C.K. Yeah, I like, saw that. Yep. Talking. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. Talking funny, and all of, and like essentially, I guess the thesis for that comedy is truth. Yeah. It's honesty, and I think in order to, and I think the best comedic pieces I've seen are not just. This is hysterical absurdism, like like Zuckerberg or Mel Brooks, but mm-hmm. stuff like The Office, which really funny stuff, great characters, but it is the characters. The thing what makes the characters so great is that they are really funny, but you care a lot. And that's why I think that, that's why I like The Office. That's my favorite. It, it's my favorite show. Like I don't, I'm not really into Rested Development that much because the characters are really terrible people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's character. It's always been character for me. But often, and, often comedy. Uh, require some irony or some some ju- yeah. juxtaposition, and I think for that reason, um, comedy comedy can can often lose its soul. Uh, yeah, uh, or especially in a sort of story based comedy when when mm-hmm. you're trying to hit these really large jokes. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people probably feel that and see that in Family Guy and and, and examples yeah. like that. It's a bit soulless. Yeah, right. So and you don't re- you're it's you're like Family Guy. I think Family Guy. I do like, but I, I can. I love I it. it. I love it. But I, I call it junk food. Yeah, a junk food show. Like it's very much like I just want to laugh. Yeah. It's just make me laugh. Yeah, right. and I, and I could care less really. I do. I I love their jokes, but they the joke overall is that this this. <laughs> this show has no real characters. It has no real stakes. It has no real mm-hmm. soul. And that does make you laugh, but it doesn't achieve this level that you can achieve when you have characters and story. Yeah. Like the office or yeah. the Simpsons would be a good example. I think too. Especially early Simpsons. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you've never, um, you would be content, not necessarily, de- you want to continue to develop as a comedian, as a performer and as a producer and facilitator of work you would be fine working with talented directors and letting them worry about how things uh, sh- are shot and cut together. Is that correct? Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, good example is that, like, I don't know when we want to talk about conservative school because I, I, I do want to talk about it, but uh, yeah, we, just, should, we should we should kind of bring it in for a landing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, second episode, you saw. So you saw the drug episode, right? Yes. Uh, that was not me. That was uh, the actor who played uh, Blaine Amos directed that. And I loved it. I thought it, I thought it looked much better. I was much more happier with the final product. And I, I and we had a great DP, Curtis. Um, and I was totally okay with him directing it. I mean, obviously, I had the last say with like line change, changes, stuff like that. But, so, but you, I, so, so you did direct the first one? I directed the first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was a big jump in quality, uh, just the way it looked. Wise. Tell people. Tell people what the show is and what it's about. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, Conservative Art School is a. Um, it's a, it's a political satire about a Republican who goes to a liberal arts school. So that in itself, is, it pretty much writes itself from there. And the idea is that it's it's not just a kind of like, you know, your Rush Limbaugh angry Republican. It's this nut job who is obsessed with birds and is this wacky cartoon character. And he pretty much makes and everyone's life... Uh, intolerable, more yeah, or less. Right, right, right. And uh, the idea is that we not only make fun of the Republicans, but we have different political sects. We have a feminist character. We have a liberal, the liberal elitist character. We have, and also there's also not only just parodies, parodies of politics, but also parodies of art school. And that comes along with like the one jock who's there, Clark Broman, and the hipster kid, yeah. uh, Nikki, who's this kind of corrupt class president, Bracknell, who is very much like a parody of the networking system. 
and uh, the, the uh, Stella Winifred, who are the feminist, uh, the, the feminist Greek chorus. Um, so it's all it's a parody of politics and art school, really. So and it has about a half hour runtime per episode. Right now there's two. Yeah. Right now there's two. Yeah. And um, are you guys? You know, you know, you probably know my background as being really low budget. Um, yeah. DIY you know get things done with the resources that you're surrounded by are you guys the same way do you have some resources in your back pocket how do you, I noticed it was shot really kind of like in and around the Emerson area where you live so I my guess yeah. is that it's pretty lo-fi it is pretty lo-fi I mean we raised uh, season two we had our fundraiser on Indiegogo 850 covered us covered us fine 850 dollars yeah, it was good. And most of that went to costumes and props because, as you could tell, we have quite a lot of those. Yeah, actually, that was, that was easily the uh, – that seemed to take up take a front and center, the idea of, like, a few really key props and costumes. Yeah. Um, and how much are you involved in the in the production design of that? Are you really hands-on? Um, well, uh, the first episode I had a production designer, Sarah, who was amazing. She sew the flag, those curtains, the pillow. She made all that stuff. Total, the dungeon that was all her, fantastic. Went to the castle fall semester. Oh, let me just give a timeline of this. Sure. Spring 2013 is when we filmed the pilot, both parts. Summer 2013 is when Tommy the Comedy stole the 4th of July. Fall 2013 is the drug episode. And in the spring, we filmed about a third of the third episode, which is going to come out, and we're going to finish it up in the fall 2014. And I'm not sure we've even described Tommy the Comedy. No, I do not think we have. So it's another character that that is yeah. uh, in, in that same sort of cartoonish vein of somebody who's so over-the-top communist that he's just the Grinch, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And it's funny because, like, Ricky at one hand one is, like, the embodiment of American patriotism, making everyone's life intolerable. Tommy the Comedy is the embodiment of um, Stalin-esque... Um, Marx, uh, Marxism, communism, and it's also making everyone's life intolerable, but as a supervillain. And to be clear, Ricky plays both. Uh, yeah. Ricky Downs, the Republican, and yeah. uh, and Tommy the Commie. What was your decision for, for using your own name for the Republican character? Yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to, because, I don't know why, maybe because I just have a huge ego, but then again, like I kind of want to do something what Colbert did, the idea of, like it's a persona, because mm-hmm. I would have loved to take this character on Breaking News uh, if, if given the opportunity. Um, and, and because it is kind of doused in, in reality, like I do, as I mentioned, I do like birds. Ricky is obsessed with birds. Right. I'm not a right. I'm not necessarily a right winger, but you know, I am. You're not I'm, an Emerson. You know, the, the prototypical Emerson liberal college student. Not no, not necessarily. I mean, I I, I think I think the left wingers have a lot of great points and a lot of good intentions, and I agree with a lot of them. I just I, I I'm not there yet. I, I'd say I, I, like uh, okay. I, I understand where you're coming from, but you're also overlooking this. If that makes any sense, like the liberal hypocrisy, just to no end. And I, I can't stand the elitism. Oh, that, sure. Those are, those are my two big things. I think I agree with almost. There are some points I don't like. I am Catholic, so I, I do have to. When it comes to secular issues, I'm like ah. Yeah. But um, I think I almost agree. I, I think I probably am like. I'm a libertarian. That's I, I, I am a libertarian, if that makes any sense. Like social justice, yes, gay rights, absolutely. Environment, absolutely. But maybe we should uphold capitalism. It's been uh, working a lot better than the other systems out there. The way I des- the way I describe my um, yeah, I, I totally stole this from Pendulette, but the my, the way I tend to describe my political philosophy is I that we should try to solve problems with more freedom instead of less. 
Yeah, that's a yeah, exactly. That's, that's the way I look at that it. That tends to you know there there are issues that liberals um, apply that philosophy, and there are mm-hmm. issues where Republicans apply that philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. I try and to apply I, it to everything. Absolutely, and I, I think um, I just want to clarify, like you know, obviously, um, I don't think capitalism or the American system is flawless. We have major, major problems. There is racism. There is sexism embedded in our systems, and we too, and we need to listen. And I think we need to have every perspective heard to make sure that we can make the system of capitalism and democracy be the best it can be. So I don't think socialism is the answer. I think reformed capitalism is the answer to our. That's just that's my philosophy. And that's where comedy and satire. P- play a nice role in being able to make sure that you're you're taking shots at both sides. That yeah, absolutely. You're exposing both sides for what they are, and and that you're also showing some love for both sides, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so absolutely. And um, with the first, we're talking a lot about capitalism, but the pilot that was like the main joke was job was jobs outsourcing things like that. Where did you come up with the idea? Was was being at a film school. Uh, 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 the major catalyst? The catalyst was that um, I got to Emerson, they had the OLs come out with the glitter and like the sparkles and whatnot, and I thought it was great, but I, and I, my mom dropped me off though. My dad is like, my dad's right of Reagan, so um, I can only imagine what he would be like. Like, oh my, I probably wouldn't have get, mm-hmm. been able to get off the car. Oh my god, the sparkles! <laughs> the glitter! <laughs> it's in my eyes! <laughs> It's yeah. on my pants. <laughs> yeah, that's where they, it was. Oh, man, like, what if he was here? What if, what if he was here, like checking all this out? And like, that's where the idea came from. And uh, it just went off from there to like kind of create like a, uh, like a, uh, a exaggerated version of myself, but also my dad a little bit, like just like the. But I didn't want Ricky to be kind of. Um, but I didn't, I, as you know, I don't want Ricky to be like, well, I never. Yeah. yeah. Tut, tut. The idea with him is that like. Oh no! I'll, let me help you fix. Let me fix you. You're wrong. Let me show you how it's done. He's also he's also so deluded that um that he doesn't even seem to see himself in conflict with anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's. <true. laughs> like, I, I, my th- my favorite bit is like when he, he has the interview with Miranda and he's saying, "I believe I was sent by God to yeah. save all you liberals." Yeah. it's really creepy, but it's really funny. I think he's not judgmental of others because it's 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 a, it's a foregone conclusion. That his his point of view is correct, and everybody else, if they don't see it today, they'll see it tomorrow. So there's really no stress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's a great way of saying it. Yeah, and um, that, so that's where the idea came from. Was that like, what if Dad was here and he just saw all this stuff go down? And instead of Dad, who would just like you know probably say a lot of rude things and wave his fist, like it's somebody who needs to know this school is this school has problems and I'm here to fix it. Gosh darn it, I'm gonna save you all. So there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who who want to make their own films and they want to get their own projects off the ground. And they a, a lot of things I hear is like, but I can't find anybody to work with or nobody's interested in bringing my idea to life or whatever. Um, you this was your idea. This was something you wanted to do. It's yeah. also kind of a long term commitment. These are half hour run times per episode. Yeah, absolutely. That's, a lot, that's a lot of work. So how did you excite? What, what advice would you give for enthusing the people around you to get involved and committed to a project like this? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have a great team, and the fact that they all are—they're all coming back for this. Like, oh my god, that's a miracle in itself. That like, not only did we did this like half-hour pilot, but we did a second episode, and we're doing a third one, and we're going to finish up with the fourth. We're going to four episodes all together. So what's the trick? They, what, what's the trick to ma- making sure that they're having fun? I think it's you gotta. I think have a great idea that excites people because everybody loved this idea. Like you know, um, 
Willie, who plays Clark Roman, is pretty much the exact opposite of Clark Roman. He is far away the most politically active, intelligent person out there. Nick De La Canal, who plays like uh, Nikki, also very political. Susanna, who plays Susan, all political. So they were all excited about the idea. But I think what kept us together is us. Was that if it when we weren't, it wasn't just the idea; it was also the people on it. Because like, it's some of the funniest people, and just like the people you want to be around on set, like. James Johnston, who plays Harry the Hipster, and uh, Amos also, who's Blaine and the director of the second episode, just always cranking out the jokes, making these silly references, but it just keeps everybody light and happy. Are they um, are they improvising, or how how involved are they in the writing? It's actually just me, and I'm like I, I'm actually the only writer, but I bring it to like the main cast. I want the ca- the main cast to like have any contributions. I dictate to them and say like, okay what needs to be fixed here and that's about it so I pretty much do a lot of the writing but like there is a bit of improv particularly in the second episode I've loosened up a little like yeah yeah you can improvise that line Why is not? that a what, is that process of, of uh, giving notes a sit down group process or yeah it was well the third episode we really had to, the third episode I don't want to give too much voice about gay rights so we really had to have it like a serious because like okay capitalism okay yeah you can make fun of that drugs alright be careful but you can you can still uh, satire, gay rights—you gotta, you're walking on thin ice. You when it's make when, sure when it's human, when it's human issues, human rights, you can step in shit. Yeah, absolutely. And we and we were lucky because I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna say that these people had our representation in the entire gay community, but we did have two gay, um, two gay members of the cast who gave their opinions and. Um, you know, uh, we're very. It was good to hear because even they conflicted on some issues. Like one of them was like, "This is fine. You're you're being oversensitive." Like, no, well, let's look at it this way. And we had to. And for a writer, it was difficult for me because I had to find the balance of this is funny. This is funny. This is actually this is actually offensive, and it can't. This shouldn't be in the show. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So. Mm-hmm. The third episode, yeah, it was t- that writer's room was tough because, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions and a lot of different ideas. Like, because we take some pretty heavy shots at the church. And as Catholic, as a Catholic, like, even for me, it was like, I, maybe I'm going too far with this. Some people felt it is a bit too far. Other people felt like, no, this is what deserve, uh, you know, this is like kind of the butter. And it, the third episode does kind of have a religious, um, you know, critique. But also, it's interesting because I did want to incorporate my faith into it too. And essentially what does kind of it, it kind of I think it kind of shows like the balance religion has to be both oppressive but also uplifting and I want to get uh, we actually got in the third episode if it goes the way it does we'll actually show that balance and I hope to God it works because mm. this is like the I'm super worried about this episode is like we gotta we have to make this one work because we'll they'll I think that's uh, we'll get, I think it's a really exciting place to be though in satire where where you're like man I'm I'm um I know there's a line that is about to get crossed, but I, I really want to walk right up to that line and really examine that line with a magnifying glass. And but to be surrounded by people that you trust to tell yeah. you that and to take the risk finally uh, 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 to express a point of view. I also think it's really useful that you're taking shots at your own faith because that's that shows that maybe there's some fair game there. Um, yeah, so, so that's great. I mean, I, I as always, I think with satire, as long as you're as long as you're distributing. The, yeah. uh, the the ball busting equally, you know, that, that yeah. you're safe, you know. But it's as soon as you you favor one group over another, you've you've uh, you've violated your your own ethics. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And that's the thing. It was um, fair. I think it's it's fairness because of the show. The show's nature. You have to be fair to both sides. Good, like have a great idea, be fair, and have good people who are 
not only want to do the idea, but want to be there, if that makes any sense. Like, they want to be on set, they want to have fun, they want to make it the best product it can be. But a lot of people like to think they want to be on set, and then they're on day three, and they're like, damn, this sucks, and I didn't know this was going to be like this, and uh, uh, I don't think this is coming out good, and it's hot in this room, and hey, when are we going to be done? Uh, that, that happens. I mean, I've been on my, a number of, I've performed in a number of films, and uh, I, uh, certain movies fall apart, and certain movies really soar. And uh, yeah. I, 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 when you have people that need to come back for subsequent episodes, I think you have to be concerned about that even more than normal. So, Yeah, I agree. And um, the people who come back come back for not only the show, but to have fun with the experience. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, find, I find that that's the. That's much more to me. I concern myself with their fun, their level of fun. They're having. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that it's good. To, it's yeah, I agree totally. That may be even more important than whether or not the film comes out any good. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes I feel like I think it's okay to make. I honestly think it's okay to make a movie for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we made this. We made this. I think a film is a, every movie's a miracle in and of itself. It actually gets done, and this went into the, making this piece of art. Nobody else watches it. We can watch it, and we did this. I think is really something, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy that everyone who's involved usually really loves the show. But speaking of the show, then um, you have anything else? Like you know, you know, I just wanted your opinion. Like, what did you think of you know all the other characters besides? We talked a lot about Ricky, but we didn't really talk about you know the other characters. Well, Ricky's at all. the you know he's the Bugs Bunny of the affair, and yeah. and then everything else is um, you know the secondary characters of the Looney Tunes cast. But no, <laughs> I, I, I I I thought it worked well. I thought that. Um, I agree that the that the directing and the filmmaking took a step up in the second one, and I think yeah. for your characters to to be as funny as they are, um, uh, uh, sh- shooting it and covering it in a tight, quick way, I think you, <clears throat> it's important to concern yourself with the the comedy that exists in the filmmaking, not just yeah. not just in the performances, because you know the the decision to go to a close up, the decision to jump out to a wide, uh, when to when to cut away, when to cut to that thing, that all plays into it, and I think that um. Uh, it, it's a different language. It's a whole different language than yeah. li- than live performance. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think I think that you guys have the performances down, the comic performances down, and I think the thing to that will be really fun to watch you develop is that that comedy filmmaking, that comic filmmaking sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think like. I think some of the best moments are when we cut away to Clark Broman just. Just the staring. Yeah. So, 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 like, so, so, so that sort of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree, yeah. and I think, I think um, the second episode, particularly, like some of the funniest moments were when it was also some of the creepiest moments with Tom and the commie and Clark, and when they go into the future to see Clark at the future past. I thought <laughs> that was shot so perf- like we kept we took that so serious yeah. like the the way it was shot and like we had such under uh, I don't know film terms that well but like I was un- my face was underlit and we had that close up at Clark doing the home alone no yeah. so like the de- I- the, de- the decision to break style and go for something far more dramatic and to borrow yeah. tr- borrow tropes from genres there's so much to play with and um and that that I think especially in a show can be really fun to to play with style yeah, I agree, and I think um, I think that that really what what made it awesome was like it was so it, that that sequence was just so very it looks so, it looked like it was right out of an art film student's movie, and the fact that it and the the idea is so absurd that really really aids along the comedy, 
Um, it has a good energy. It, it, that, that's that's definitely the the most positive thing about it is nobody in the thing looks tired or bored. Um, there's a lot of one of the things they teach you in directing is um, make sure that you're building motion into every, yeah. everything that everyone's doing and you motherfucker can't stop moving. So, <laughs> so yeah. that, you, as a, as a performer, that's just like, uh, that's gold, especially for a, a char- an overtop character like that. Oh yeah. I'm all over. I'm all over the place. <laughs> and, but then it's interesting. Cause like Tommy, the comedy rigger is so over the top. Bracknell is also so over the top, but she's in that chair and just like twiddles her finger and like it's a different. It's a very because I, I I don't know if you, you could tell that I was Bracknell's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a very different performance from what I usually do and very different. It was re- yeah yeah a different a different gender too. Yeah. But um, it was an interesting thing to do with with her. Um, and it is interesting to see like what jokes work better, I think, because uh, one thing I've noticed that like whenever I show it to non-Emerson kids, the three characters that always without beat get the biggest laughs are Harry the Hipster, Clark Broman, and Tommy the Commie. And I attribute that because maybe it's the fact that they're apolitical. For the most part, they're pretty apolitical. Yeah. And I think maybe – and that was a big one the second, the first episode. The first episode we had – there were points where like – Ricky and Blaine would like for a, a minute or two would just like talk politics, and you know it was funny. But uh, when I, when I was in the we screened the, we screen all the episodes at Emerson. We get a room and we screen. And a lot of people come and it's really great. It's an awesome time. We have a Q and A. It's really awesome. How do you promote that? Uh, Facebook, social media. You know, put posters online. Uh, not really posters. Posters just spread word. Um, do you ever? Um do you like take out a classroom or something? Is that how you yeah, we, yeah, we take out the NPR and uh, mm-hmm. we, we screen it. And it, it was awesome. With, with, with it though is that um, I've noticed that like – and that was the thing because I noticed like maybe it's not – I think what, what made the, the episodes get better was the fact that – I think the second episode is actually better, a lot better than the first episode. I think it improved drastically also with the writing. Was that it focused more on the character? The politics was still there. The the, the overlay, the message of drug use was still present throughout the entire episode. Right. But it was able to focus more on the characters and how now that they're established, how would they react to this kind of issue? I think. Which is what you're. Which is sitcom writing one on one. Which is like. Yeah, exactly. It becomes it, the thing that becomes most interesting is is what would happen if you put this very well-defined, well-established, well-performed character in this situation than this situation, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact that it's always – and I think like with a, uh, the pilot also like the pilot you – the pilot though, you have to do a lot of the pilot. You have to establish the characters. You have to have a theme. How would they react to it kind of – and but also you have to really emphasize this is who these characters are. So it's really in your face and they might even like kind of come off as characterizations of themselves so that they later become just characters, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and with the second episode and the third episode too, like now it's just, all right, we know who Clark is. We know who Harry is. We know who Ricky is. Go with it, I think. And um, that was uh, that was an interesting uh, process. I, I, and that's really great to see um, where, that where are Where are you with the third episode right now? Third episode, we uh, it's written. It's outlined. We filmed about a third of it and uh, we're going to keep continuing with it. And then, in the, and then like so that's probably going fi- to – we're going to try to finish that up like September, October-ish. Film the final episode like November, hopefully, and then edit it over in spring, and then like release it as the final episode in spring 2015. Would it be easier if you guys did more episodes at a shorter length, or do you like sort of the format as it is? 
I, um, you know, we, we've talked about that a lot. I kind of, I don't know, I think the fact that we already have had two and a half an hour, I kind of, I like the formula. I like the, it's not really a web series, much as it really is a television series. And I, I kind of like the half hour. I think it works really, I'd rather have, because I don't know, I don't think you really can, I'll be honest, I don't think you really can do that much in like a five minute mm-hmm. show. You can't really, de- I don't think you really can develop your characters that much. So I think it, it's better just to keep it half hour in which we can really, really divulge into who these people are and, you know, really kind of question them. Well, for years I was told, like, why do you keep making feature after feature? And, you know, why don't you focus on some, some really solid shorts and maybe make more? And it's just like, well, because because f- feature filmmaking gives you the space to go somewhere. I, I, always, yeah. I always found that short films tend to... Even the even the dra- dramatic ones, um, they really are always just leading to sort of a punchline, and then they end. Yeah, I agree. They, yeah. they, they don't get to arc. They just kind of you know, it's why did the chicken cross the road? Yeah. And, and and that's kind of the. There are some great shorts out there. I don't want to say that. Oh, about, absolutely. I don't yeah. want to say that about everything, but but in general, yeah, in general, that's the case. Right. I, I that's and that's kind of why I wanted to um go for half hour because I really want to, and I mean. Before, I mean, originally I had planned to do a lot of episodes. Like, I wanted to do like 12 or 9 half hour episodes. Obviously, learning that's an impossibility. It just it can't, you can't get the people. In, I mean, people have lives and you yeah, have right, to. Right. But, I mean, and there are a lot of topics. Like, I would love to talk about. I would love to talk about maybe, uh, I would love to do the environment maybe once. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be great. Like, racism would, racism would be like an incredible life thing. That could be like a, a long line. Also, I mean, like, tread lightly for the love of God. Feminism, I thought uh, if we were trying to do a feminist episode, like I had a few friend girl writer, a uh, few friends of mine who were girls wanted to write an episode, but just we're running out of time and we got to just get this finale done, really. Yeah, good. And then do you want to move on to another web series? What's next? Um, yeah, that's interesting because, like, I don't know, like, um, I, 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 I'm not sure what's next. I think, like, then I, I don't really know what's next, honestly. But with the with CSA though, it's interesting, like, because I want to know if like. Can we keep at least for my at least my characters going? Like, can can Ricky and Tommy live outside the void of conserv- the current server school timeline? Really, like, could they work? Well, I think that there's there's so much room to do an intertextual sort of thing with this kind of content, where you can do very short animations, you can do um, live stuff. If you continue to do comedy troupe work in Los Angeles, are you going to stay in Los Angeles? You're going to come back here. Well, I'm coming back. For, well, I'm a. I'm only. A, I'm just. A, I just became a senior, so I'm back for fall and spring. But then I'm probably going to go to LA after Emerson. Okay. So I'm here for one. I'm here at Emerson one more year. Okay. So yeah. th- you know, I think the point is like if if you kind of establish a canon of characters. Um, yeah. there's no reason you couldn't do, you know, of course, web comics are very popular. There's all, there's all this room to do all this kind of comedy and yeah. e- each format requires a different kind of style. So I encourage you to explore all of that cause that can be really fun. Yeah. And I think, um, how about a conservative radio show? Like something that's so you can do that by yourself. I, I Oh, I, Oh, I've always wanted to do that. Like I really want, but I don't think it'd be Ricky though. Cause he's a little too like nice to, uh, yeah. really like, Ricky's nice. Uh, Ricky's way too nice to actually like seriously like be like, um, like I want to do like an Alex Jones like Rush Limbaugh like just a insane evil man yeah, like yeah. Tommy the Kami of the right wing really I I would love to do that I thought that'd be amazing because I, I Alex Jones is just I don't know if you ever heard him he's he's off his wall and Michael Savage too just like that would be awesome but I I I think that'd be I've always wanted to do that be and I always be great if you could bring on like actual like convicted um 
you know, uh, uh, liberal young folks and <laughs> and speak to them like you really are this guy. Yeah. It's the America destroyers. <laughs> Killers of the tomorrow. Exactly. I, I, that'd be great. Yeah, I would love to do something like that. But I don't think it could be Ricky because he's too he's too nice. He would be he's he's too soft. I, I mean, yeah, he's actually believe it or not, he's a little too soft spoken for that for that position. But um I also want to talk a little bit about um how did you like the um the how did you like the animation in uh the drug episode? That drug sequence. How did you? What would you? What was your thoughts on that? Like, did, I, th- that? did I think that it, um, like, that it fit, or did, was the like, what was the quality of animation? Or I, I'm just wondering, like, what did you think of it? Like, did you like it? Yeah, or? that was great. I thought it was, it was probably one of my favorite parts of the second episode. Oh, awesome! Great, yeah, yeah, great, yeah, awesome. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, th- I think there's more room for that kind of thing, actually. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because, like, I, you know, it seems to me like that was definitely like that, along with the three Russians, which I thought was, I thought that was really funny when. Um, like it's the idea like it's actually this is this like this group of people that Ricky is making live miserable for is also happening with Tom in the comedy I thought that was brilliant um but I think like that's a real I think like I don't want to like say we have to top in the next episode but I do feel like we need to like kind of go back to something that out there really because that was so different and so um you know uh like I, I just want to, I, I definitely want to go back to something like something like that. One thing I would, one thing I, I, I want for you guys is, um, I'm worried <clears throat> when I'm watching that, when I'm watching it, that some of the jokes are being missed by your audience because of imperfect audio recording. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. So gotta, what do you do for audio, audio right now? Um, audio, um, again, I, I'm not really technical, so I, we just have H, H4N and point the mic at it. Yeah. So I, that. I, I could tell. And um, yeah. my recommendation, if you can get a little scratch together, um, okay. or even if you can use Emerson equipment, is uh, this This was a revelation for me on Sexually Frank, my third movie. Uh, okay. The first two movies we boomed, and, and, and that worked That worked okay, but we still had to ADR a lot of stuff at the end of the day. Um, we, we bought a – actually, I'm recording on it right now. It's a four-track field recorder, so it can take up to four microphones connected to it. Oh really? Okay. And then you you can get these wireless labs, right? So you put them right on people's hips, you tape them to the to their shirt, and they're wireless. And you have everybody's dialogue recorded independently of one another. Oh. You can raise somebody's dialogue. You can drop somebody else's, and uh, and maybe and then you take the the H four or whatever you were using, and you just record that for your ambience. And uh, uh, as long as you sync them all up or you get somebody who's just the slightest bit technical with audio, um, uh, people will be able to hear you guys nice and clearly. Wow, that, that, that's actually a great tip. I'm going to share that. Yeah. That'd be awesome for like the, uh, the upcoming episodes. Um, absolutely. Audio, audio has this weird effect where audio can make – it sounds weird, but audio can make your visuals look better. Because yeah, it, ti- right. it ties the it, – it's an illusion. Filmmaking is already an illusion where you're going like uh, I took a shot over there and then I took a shot over there and they took place at the same time when they didn't. Um, yeah. The audio is what can smooth that out. Yeah, that's the transition yeah, really. Yeah. And I agree. I think the audio um, – again, I think, I think the audio is um, – audio is always tough for me because I, I, I do the editing too. I edit the, the whole episode together. Mm-hmm. Um, audio, like I just I, – I kind of feel like it – Chicken without a head. Like, I just like, okay, make it louder in this part, but I don't want to hear the ambience. So <laughs> I guess some, this is, there's some really like, um, you can, you can do some cheaty stuff that, that will help you too. Like, um, 
you know, when, when you're mixing something, you don't want certain areas to be super loud and other areas to be super quiet. Cause otherwise yeah. you have somebody that's constantly messing with their audio controls on their volume on their computer. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Or that's whatever. true. So you can, um, like there's a program called levelator that I use for all my podcasts. Oh really? I, you literally like you export all the audio from your movie. You dump it into this thing. It evens mm-hmm. out the volume for everything. And it's a cheesy way to do it. And it's not, the kind of thing you would normally do for a film. But if you were looking for just a quick way to make sure that it was evenly mixed, might not be a bad thing to look into. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds awesome. And I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I don't know how long we have, like, I, you know, I know Amen. it's either they're listening or they're not. Okay. <laughs> Nor- cool, awesome. Normally we wrap up around this time, but if you got a couple of things left, we can do them. Okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I just, I just, um, I want to talk a little bit the show, like just, um, some of the, the characters and whatnot, like what they're going for. And I thought, I thought what, um, I think what's, what what work what what's interesting to me is like I think what really makes a show though is kind of like the opposite. It's really the interactions within all the characters, like the way Clark kind of talk works off of Ricky and how. In the second episode, we got a lot of like we we had the opportunity to kind of see the different characters interacting with each other. Like we had Clark with Tommy. What a we that was a weird comp that's a weird combination. But it is but it was so much fun to write and perform. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it's really like because we're the. Two, the two of us are kind of doing our own thing, um, and like you know, what how Harry interacts with. Although it kind of does remind me a lot of The Office in a lot of ways, because essentially Ricky is the Michael Scott, and it's his interaction with everybody else that um, kind of make the show and how everybody plays off of him. But you you can see how your show is way bigger than The Office, right? In terms of like every everything is amplified in terms of comedy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely not like mock. It's definitely not a mock. Like there's no way this could occur in reality. Well, no, I I don't think there's even, even the subtle stuff is big in in my estimation. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? I just, I think that the, um, I think that you set a tone with your main character, um, and with the sort of the one dimensional traits of the other characters that basically say you are in a surreal environment where, um, I, I, I think you would have a challenge making me care about these people's feelings uh, because, because again, really? because again, I think that they're, I think that they're cartoons, you know? Right. Okay. They're, they're, they, seem, they seem invincible and impenetrable to criticism and, uh, you know, which is, that's interesting. You're right. Yeah. Cause that's interesting. You mentioned that. Cause I actually, um, I kind of want you to care. That's interesting. Like, that's interesting you bring that up, and I, I'm glad you did because one of my well, the one thing with like the the, the drug episodes that I wanted it, it was more about Clark than was Ricky. Like Clark was the main character, mm-hmm. and um, I mean I, I I did want you to kind of care like if he like you know obviously does he learn a lesson by the end? Um, There's a little bit of that. You 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 start taking that turn. But, uh, yeah. but, but, you know, I, I watch a show kind of like a lot of people do, which is the pilot establishes the ground rules for me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Um, yeah, but that, that's interesting. And I thought like, I kind of like, I, I, maybe I like the side characters a bit more than you do. Cause I mean, it's, you seem to be like, you're really into Ricky. Like I think he thinks, he, I, I think really so, funny. yeah, yeah I, I think I, he's I, funny. I like the side characters, but again, they, they're, they're, um, they're defined by these, um, archetypical traits. Right. Yeah, right. That's true. Absolutely. And I think um, – I, I, I think though um, – you know, Harry the hipster 
yeah. am I really expecting that he's going to have like a, an existential crisis? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Now, now I get what you're saying. I felt like you're like, uh, they're, but like, I, I, I do love seeing like the kind of, when they do play off each other. Like I think one of my favorite scenes of the pilot was when it's Clark and Harry just like sitting there at the way room to get the job interview. Mm-hmm. That's like, cause maybe I like that. I think maybe I'd like them a bit more than you do cause they are my babies. But, um, like to me, that's, that's when the show I think really is interesting when like, we're able to take a break away from Ricky, if that makes any sense. Mm-mm. Like, just just for me personally, because maybe I'm not on screen, so I don't have to watch myself all the time. But whenever it's a scene where it's somebody who's not Ricky, I kind of, I don't know. I, I'm really, I'm really interested. It's, it's interesting to me that you thought like. Well, you, you also of, you also understand your own content. And you understand your own intentions, and it's all. Um, it took. It was a. It was a months long process for you to yeah. develop this thing, and it's all flying by me over the course of a half hour. So, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's Good that, that's why having those outside viewers um, is so important. I think. When, yeah, that's interesting because, like, you mentioned that, but like, I know my brother particularly. He lo- his favorite character is Harry the Hipster and uh, Clark Roman. He thinks they're like the funniest things, and um, and that that's interesting. Like how you actually think. I mean, you kind of are more like, oh no, Ricky's like the heart. Like, yeah, he's uh, he's not just like the center of the show, but he's the heart and soul of it, which I think is interesting. Like that, he's the Gar. And I think he's the Garfield of Garfield and Friends. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. I guess so. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, it's not always about Garfield, but yeah, yeah I view right. I view him as the central idea. Yeah, that that's 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 cool. That's cool. I like I like how like people. Uh, what's cool to me is that like whenever I can hear something like that, like. I'm doing a good job when like one person says, no, this is the best character in the show. And then you say, no, this is the best character on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. That, that, that's that to me. Like, that's a really good sign. You want, actually. That. You want that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, how did you like the summer special? Though? How did you like how Tommy the Comedy Solo 4th of July? What were your thoughts? It was very cute. It was very cute. I, I, I thought that it, um, yeah, it was actually, I thought that the filmmaking was, was, um, was a step up from the, from the shows even. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah, because yeah. that's interesting. Because we filmed that on like a little little camp. My bro- it was me and my brother. There's like a, we we don't have like the resources that are Emerson, so we just a little but par- camp corner. But parodying the Grinch gives you an opportunity to mirror some of their shot ideas. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. We we did do that, and I thought the song also really kind of and vacuuming s- vacuuming the um you know, yeah. the ribbon and so so there there were some nicer visuals there and I thought you got to like kind of jump in more often whereas I thought at least in the pilot of the show sometimes you're kind of hanging back in a wide or a medium and it doesn't necessarily there's an opportunity like I said before there's an opportunity to do something comedic with the shot that's not being taken advantage of whereas I thought Tommy the commie uh, was all that you know yeah absolutely yeah and I also that, thought your, your, once again your production design was really nice there was a you could you just couldn't get away from the red white and blue colors and I, yeah, and and I thought there was there were some some uh, some really cute sort of stanzas in the whole thing. So no, it was very good. Yeah, yeah, awesome, great, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, the production. It's interesting you mentioned a lot about production design because production design I think is like one of the best the, the, of the show is like one of the one of the top tiers. I think like co- the costumes are always, like I think like but people forget about to, people forget to do that. A lot of people focus on let's get the best camera we can possibly get to shoot this. Yeah, forgetting that, like, hey, man, you can get a red, like a twenty thousand dollar red camera, but if you're shooting yeah. in like a dinky closet, um, right. it's gonna look like shit. But if you right. if you take like a, a cell phone camera and you shoot in a cathedral, it's gonna look amazing. Right, absolutely. I think like, and what I love is like, I love one idea. I think I've noticed with the show is that it seems like the locations are pretty, pretty all right. It's just like it's a Emerson, but the costumes make 
all of them stand out. Like they, that's where the cartoon aspect is. Harry the hipster wears the same costume every episode, but he look, but it's like memorable. Like he has the fedora, the feather, the big feather in the fedora. Tommy the commie has an actual like Soviet costume. Clark Broman has like the blue the blue cufflings. Ricky's in the suit, and that to and like. That's something about like I've always like kind of admired like I always like thought like our PD was always I always thought our PD was always great and I love like but at the same time I think that it has a a, a um a little rascals come on gang let's put on a show uh, I think so too yeah you know it's it most things are made out of paper and you can you know it's it's like the cardboard lemonade stand or something like that and it's yeah it 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 knows that it's it knows that it's fake in a good way. Yeah, and I think uh, that's funny too because, like, you know, the dungeon. For example, the dungeon was a cardboard box. Um, yeah, I like that it, a lot, actually. Yeah, it, it, it's all fake, but then you have Tommy the Calmly in this actual Soviet Russian army outfit. I think that's the funniest yeah, thing to have him just yeah. walking about. Everybody else is like just the, that. That I think that's the juxtaposition that really helps the show but a, a cl- lot. A clearly glued-on mustache. So you know, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, all right, so. We've, we've talked at length about yep. your, your work. Where can people find it if they want to watch it? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, we have a Facebook, Conservative Art School on Facebook. Just check that out. Um, I, I'll send you links for you, the Facebook message. We have the, my YouTube page where all the uh, you, all of Conservative Art School can be found. Um, we have a Twitter also, uh, CA School. Um, I'll send you a link to that too. And we are trying to get a Tumblr going, so hopefully that'll happen eventually. Um, but right now, everybody's best bet is what? Just Google Conservative Art School and you'll find it all? Yeah, on YouTube and on Facebook. You can get that's And the Facebook has all the links to the shows, has behind-the-scene pictures, um, stuff like that. Um, also, keep your eyes open because we actually um, – we're making the DVDs for the first season. Oh, great. Yeah, so um, – Let me ask you this. Yeah. I'm not buying that DVD unless it has special features on it. You got any special features? Oh, oh yes, we do. Okay. We have a blooper reel. We have the first season, so that's actually just the two-part pilot because the second season starts with the drug episode, continues with this third episode, and then ends with the finale. So it's three episodes in the second, two episodes in the first season. First season DVD includes blooper reel, a uh, How Tom the Comedy Stole the Fourth of July, our fundraising video, and a commentary with me – Harry the Hipster, Blaine, and our PD on both parts. So, and also I think some other nifty stuff in there. So definitely check that out. So we got it. Got a bit. Ricky Downs the third. Uh, uh, he he made it onto Discount Film School. This is a what what a milestone. <laughs> oh, we've made it. I'm here. You face. Oh, by the way, I just want to add. I did watch. Uh, having fun up there. Oh, you did. And that was phenomenal. I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely, the way uh, it just felt so—it's so different from what I do because it felt so real. Yeah. Like, the, like that was. Now I just have one question though, because as a writer, did you follow the three X structure with that movie? So I didn't write that movie. Um, okay. But I, but I did. Do, I developed the story with uh, with Jeff, who who wrote the screenplay. But mm-hmm. um, no, it, it was kind of my first opportunity to flex my muscles as the director. You know, I directed right. three features before it. But did I, or did I just kind of make them, you know, this was my, my first opportunity to say like, I'm going to take a piece of work written by a musician. I'm not a musician. Um, I don't know the world that he's writing or anything like that and, and try to adapt it into through my lens, which is really, I was making a movie about filmmaking. I wasn't making, I I thought so too. Like your little, your, your character's speech in that I said like the 20 minute mark Mm -hmm. literally, I know that you're talking about music. You can apply that to any art form. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Any art form. Exactly. And exactly it, – it, it's the same exact thing like, you know, you want to make money, go to law school. Like 
And that that that's what we yeah. were, that's what we were we were both trying to strike. Now, as far as the um, the structure, yes, we actually did follow a three act some, okay. somewhat loosely. Um, our first priority was to make sure that we were we were getting the story beats that we had we had brainstormed together. And then once we did that, we said, how does that translate into a structure? And this is a, this is a cheesy thing. And I used to always, um, make fun of it. Uh, it, I, it sounded like something that wouldn't actually work as well as people were advertising, but we did that thing where we wrote the story beats on index cards and put them up on a, on a Oh whiteboard. yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. And, and it, you know, where it was useful was it gives you, especially if you're working with somebody else and you need to be on the same page about what you're talking about. Cause communication can break down really easily in a situation like that. Um, suddenly that's when you're seeing it all visually, you go, why do we care so much about X or why do we, why are we so fixated on that happening? It doesn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. Look what happens when I take it away. And you're like, Oh, right, oh the right. story still works without that. You know? Um, so, but I, I do remember we had columns for, for the, the sort of acts um, and we wanted it to be that, uh, that each act break was, was his life falling apart even more. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got that. Yeah. Oh, poor, the poor guy. The poor. He just gets, yeah. he gets beaten up until he can make peace out of it. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I know we got to end up soon, but I just, I just, one more question about, uh, uh, oh, fun up there. Um, you guys had, were all over the place. You were in Salem, you were in that coffee shop, you were in the, the, the bar. Like, how was the, how was like, you know, doing all the production, the producing, like getting the, getting like the rights to be there and asking permission. Like, what was that like? So here's where I'll brag. Um, okay. we shot that movie in nine consecutive days. Okay. And that's, that was the entire production. We shot mm -hmm. from September 27th to October 6th every okay. single day. And then we were done. Um, and we actually on discount film school every day of the production, we recorded a podcast that explains everything. So, okay, so you cool. can, you can hear all of the shit that went in. And also I'm coming out with a book very shortly that like a 300 page sort of tome that explains every detail. But the, the, the broad answer is, um, after four features, I've gotten good at it. My first feature was in high school and I was, um, it, it, I just, I just walked up to people and said, you know, it, it, it it's kind of going through the. It's, it's using the philosophy of the worst they can say is no. Mm -hmm. Now, this movie, I have a, like an actual grown-up salary these days. I'm, I'm married, and my wife is a nurse practitioner, so we've got a little money in our pocket. So if, if, if it comes down to 200 you know, we need $200 to shoot in the bowling alley, then you pay them $200. It, it, that, oh, okay. That, yeah. didn't, that didn't break the bank. Um, in general, I tried to not pay for anything for the locations. That, that almost always worked. Salem, to give you a very quick story... Uh, uh, that day was our very last day on the shoot. Mm -hmm. We had been through a lot of trials and tribulations up to yeah. that point. We were all exhausted mm -hmm. and the script said that we were shooting at Canopy Lake Park okay. and, uh, we were scheduled to be there. I had called them. I said, yeah, I spoke with their, here's a good example of trying to get a, a you know, a location like Canopy Lake Park. I just called their public relations people and I was like, would you like your park to be in a movie? And they were like, sure, come on in. And they were going to give us free tickets to the park. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But they, we, uh, we then got a call and they said, actually you can't come because, uh, it's drizzling and we got to shut the park down. So now I've got a car full of people. Uh, we're ready to shoot the scene and there's no location anymore. So we all started, we were like, fuck that. We are not going home without finishing this movie. We've gotten this far. So we were like, does it have to be Canopy Lake Park? Where else could it be? We thought of King Richard's Fair. We called them up. They were like, no, we have a strict AV policy. We thought at one point somebody was like, there's a cranberry bog. Let's go there. Because we were looking for something that was very like uh, uh, New, England, yeah. New England autumn. 
And then I was like, wait a minute, guys. Like, it's October. It, Salem is the Halloweeniest, coolest location right now, and it's on the street. Nobody can – I mean, you have to have permits to shoot on the street like that, but we're a small, 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 small crew. Like, we were – it's just the two actors and the camera, and everybody else can kind of hide away. And again, we got those those wireless audio – Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that wireless audio equipment. So the audio guy can go just, like, dick around. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the supermarket scene was the same kind of thing where it was just like they didn't even know we were there. Um, so we become ninja crew. It, and and uh, yeah, yeah. And we were shooting on a 5D, a Canon 5D. Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, that that was that was the long and short of it. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of um, cheating and a lot of sneaking around and and a lot of one takes. I mean, that most when you're watching that movie, you're watching a lot of one first <laughs> first and only takes. You guys, well, you did a great job with it. Thank you. Really, thank you. That's a great, great group. I mean, I, I'm like incredibly yeah, lucky I, to work with that. Group. Your main actor was phenomenal. Yeah, John is so good. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. And he was also a guest on this very podcast. So if you ever want oh, to learn, cool. learn anything about John, you can in his performance, his acting career, and everything that's gone into his life up to this point, you can listen to these. And if if you bring any more listeners onto the show, Ricky, they can they can go and look at a backlog of 46 episodes where we have conversations just like the one we had today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was a, this was a blast. I really enjoyed this. Podcasting is fun, man. If you're if you're looking for some, if you're like in between projects, you're looking for something fun to do. I recommend you get yourself a podcast. Awesome, nifty, great, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, this is really fun. I'm glad we got the opportunity. I'd love to come back and like maybe talk about like maybe like after the show's done, talk about retrospect or you know whatever. It's 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 so low it's so low stress. I'm happy to have you on anytime. Yeah, great, awesome, great. All right, well, thank you so much, Frankie. This was a blast. Thanks for coming on.